Hello, Indians fans, and this is Jeff Ellis of the Lockdown Indians podcast. As I warned and or promised, uh, since I'm traveling for the holidays, I do not have access to my setup. So we're trying the HD uh, recording on my phone, and we'll see how this goes. Uh, Things are going to more than likely be a little choppier than normal. This is just the preamble. I, I also warned I probably wouldn't be getting on doing this unless we had something very specific to talk about. And we do today. The Indians have finally decided to be active in the free agent marketplace as they have signed Cesar Hernandez to take over at second base for them. Now, Hernandez is someone I've talked about extensively on the podcast, and he was the second baseman du jour. And there's a few reasons for that. One, he's historically been a pretty solid defender at second base. One might even go so far as to say a great defender. Uh, He could run some, he could hit some. What hurt his value, so a year ago he made $7.75 million in free agency. He signed for under $7 million, I think maybe six point eight for the Indians. His arbitration projection was going to be $11 million, so that hurts for him. And the big, I mean, 2019 was his most disappointing season. And there are a lot of pieces out there on why that occurred, but... (coughs) Mostly what it comes down to is his walk rate plummeted. Uh, this is someone for his career had a 10.2% walk rate. Uh, went 10.6, 10.6, 13.4, and this year fell down to 6.7. You know, uh, There's a lot of reasons why that might have happened. There's a lot of talk that you know pitchers realized he would swing at a lot more borderline pitches. That you know they kind of figured him out a bunch, a bunch, a bit. But at the end of the day, he was still an effective player. Above average defender, above average base runner, and a about a league average offensive producer. Now, if you compare him to Jason Kipnis, looking at fan graphs, he had better base running numbers. He had better offensive numbers um, by a rather significant margin. But Kipnis was actually rated as a better defender. Take that for what it's worth. Um, though historically over his career, Hernandez has graded out much higher than Kipnis. So he was definitely a bit of a buy low. Uh, the Phillies were willing to move on due to, I mean, primarily the high arbitration cost was what likely pushed them to be willing to part with uh, Hernandez. He's worth 1.7 Fangraphs war, I want to say, and a 2. Uh, five in baseball reference. So they viewed him a little bit higher in terms of your traditional stat lines, you know, 279, 333, 408, 14 home runs, only stole nine bases. Years before that, you're looking at someone who was a double digit stolen base guy while grading out very highly uh, defensively often and offensively as well. This past year just didn't come together for him. Now he'll be entering Next season, on a one-year prove-a-contract, he'll be in his 29-slash-age-30 uh, season. So it, it's a great situation for the Indians. He should be an improvement virtually across the board for them at second base. It's a one-year gamble if it doesn't work out, and he's a switch hitter. They can play him at a few different spots in the lineup uh, if they really needed to. You know, he has experience playing third and short and second and I believe center field even in the majors though he has mostly played second base I think it's he's at 999 games at second base and that is what the Indians signed him to do 
but it is always nice having a bit more flexibility. It's a cheap, cheap signing. Uh, 6.25 is nothing for a starter. It's a good get by the Indians. This should be step one. They are currently projected through roster resources to be about 22 million below last year's payroll. Um, after the big drop from 2018, we are told that, well, they are now at a new level that should be more sustainable. We'll see if that's true or not. Uh, that would mean that they have money to spend, and hopefully they will be out there spending it. I would still love to see them add Corey Dickerson as my number one guy, followed by Dylan uh, Batances. And then, honestly, a third would be Puig at this point. If you can go out and get him on the cheap and have an outfield with you know, Puig in one spot, uh, Luplo and Dickerson in the other with Mercado in center, and Johnson just kind of biding his time another year in AAA, I'm okay with that. That would be fantastic. And Batances, uh, Klasse, and Karinchok, that would be a lot of gas at the back of the pen. It would be a really interesting team. You could get most of those guys on prove-it contracts at this point. That's what I'd love to see the Indians do personally. I don't think you're going to see all of that, um, but it would be nice. Let's just be honest. For $22 million, you're not going to get all three of those players, but maybe you can get two of those three, and that's what I'd really like to see the Indians do. Um, this is a team that can still win. You know, We're talking recently about the free agent pitching market. Uh, since the last podcast, uh, Ryu signed with the Dodgers. How about the Dodgers signing two of the top seven starters on the free agent market? Who would have predicted that? And now you got the Minnesota Twins, who completely struck out in free agency. Um, they kept Pineda. They uh, Odorizzi accepted the qualifying offer. They have Barrios, but you know they cut Martin Perez, who after being let go, he would have made what? I think seven point five, and instead he's going to get six point five. So he got nearly identical to what he would have earned. Um, and then the, I'm trying to think who their other arm was that they, uh, oh yeah, um, Kyle Gibson got a, a pretty sizable contract. So the Twins are kind of out cold. You're looking at uh, Randy Dubnik and Devin Smeltzer, and these are borderline major league guys who could be their fourth and fifth starter. Uh, not ideal. The Twins are set up right now to currently be less than they were a year ago. The... Uh, White Sox, I think, since the last podcast, added Dallas Keuchel, and he's a big name, and there are some good outlying numbers, but the things that are predictors of future success for him were not great, and he got a big contract. Um, we talked about Gio Gonzalez and the, the added risk with him, but at least the White Sox, I mean, they're going for it. Give them credit. They, you know, Grandel was a great signing. I'm intrigued by the fact that they're looking another bat. They're looking at Edwin Encarnacion, Nick Castellanos. They're going out there and going for it. Um, there is clearly a top three to this division um, going into next year, and it's going to be fun to watch. The White Sox are going to be a, should be a very good offensive team, and they've done a lot to help uh, a pitching staff that had a lot of question marks. You know, there's not going to be Manny Banuelos and uh, Ivan Nova at the back of that rotation anymore. So that is definitely a step in the right direction for the, uh, the Chicago White Sox. Now, as for the Twins, what what's still left out there? Well, I mean, it is it is ugly if you need starting pitching. You have Tejon Walker, who hasn't pitched in two years. Uh, you have Rich Hill, who recently got arrested at a Bills game. Uh, you can find that story. I won't go too much into it. But, I mean, the bigger issue there is Hill's probably not going to pitch till June because of arm surgery, and he's 40 years old. 
uh, but he is arguably the number two pitcher available on the market. Uh, trying to think, I'm, I always tend to forget a few guys who are still out there. But, uh, I mean, the number one guy to me by far is Alex Wood, and I think he's going to get pricey just because, you know, he's two years removed from a run of, uh, of high-level production, and there's nothing left on that market. If you want starting pitching, you better go out and, and get, uh, get Alex Wood right now. I mean, I, I thought he was kind of the underrated target to begin with because he was a lefty and he's been productive for a lot of years. But now that there's nobody left, I, I would be, I would be calling him tomorrow if you have that need uh, for a starting pitcher. And I joked about Ivan Nova earlier, but you can make a case he's one of the uh, top four uh, starters left. Homer Bailey, who you know did pitch for the Athletics down the stretch, uh, that's what you're left. Those are the names. So uh, Arizona with Robbie Ray could be looking at something interesting. I always thought Eddie Rosario for Robbie Ray probably made sense for both sides. Um, we'll see if that comes together, if maybe the, uh, the Diamondbacks get a little bit more than that. But the Twins have to go out there and make a move like that. If you're a team like the Padres, who have been chasing pitching for two straight off-seasons, I don't know what they do. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Wood makes a lot of sense for them. But, again, they're going to end up at the low end of things. And they're in a dangerous situation because you have a GM who knows his job's on the line, which often leads to overpays and bad maneuvers and... We'll just see. We'll see what happens there. Um, if there was ever a team that could come out and kind of try to, to blow the, the market off for somebody, that the, the Padres are aligned. And then there's also just, I mean, we're, we're not even talking about the Houston Astros, who, I mean, this was a rough offseason for them. Yeah, they still have some of their core pieces, but, man, they need another starter. Um, they had a very, um, there was not a lot of depth there to begin with. They traded away what little depth they did have in terms of, well, I mean, unproven depth to go out and add Granky. Um, but now they've got, they don't have much. So that's another team that's sitting there kind of, I don't know what they'll do next. Um, Donaldson's kind of the last big name free agent. I don't know uh, if there is going to, you know, if the Twins are going to chase him, if the Nationals, if the Braves, I don't think the Braves have much. I'm still betting on the Nationals at this point, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It's things are setting up. This is a really bad off season for the Twins. Like, there's just no other way around it. It was a bad off season for the Twins. They had so many free agent arms, and they they're not a better team today than they were when the season ended. It's been a good one for the White Sox, but not a great one. Um, they they were going out there trying to add two great players. They added one great player and two players that will help them, but uh, and for the Indians. They're essentially, at this point, on paper about the same. Uh, I don't know how much anyone could count on Kluber. I, that's, that's just when you have two to three injuries in a row and diminishing velocity. I've kind of already explained why there was some issue with Kluber. Yes, they lost Puig. Adding Hernandez, though, is, is kind of a, a give and take on that. And uh, in terms of other players, like Tyler Clippard was arguably their second biggest free agent. Um, adding Class A makes their pen better than it would have been uh, if they had kept Clippard and they still could conceivably bring him back in some form. So the Indians are about equal, the Twins are worse, and the White Sox are better. That's kind of where we are um, at this point looking at the offseason. So I, I talked about Class A and the pen. 
Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to talk about a former Indians reliever. So I want to remind people that if you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com backslash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com backslash locked on. Then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. So that is our sponsor. So make sure to go to Breaking Tea. It's always, uh, you got to help our sponsors out. It helps these shows go. So I talked about... uh, before the read, uh, some relief talk I wanted to talk about, and it's kind of sad relief talk in a way, at least for me it is, and that was that uh, Paul Hoynes reported that Cody Allen had a uh, like a, a bullpen tryout session uh, trying to get teams interested in giving him another opportunity at a showcase, that's the official term, and Cody, uh, there's my cat, deciding to want to join us on the podcast, Cody Allen is arguably the greatest reliever in recent Indians history. I believe he leads the team all time and saves. At peak, he was just a phenomenal closer for a team that has really struggled for most of its career, even when it's had good runs, to have um, that strength in the back of the pen because that's kind of a luxury when you're a, a low-income, low-market team. You can pay a lot of places, but you can't also tend to pay relievers. So that's often where the Indians have had to scrimp, and Allen was so good for so long. He's one of those interesting guys because they drafted him two years in a row, and I really liked him um, the first time they drafted him, 2011. That's the Francisco Lindor draft, and that's what's kind of crazy about it. Like, you think about the first time they drafted him was the Lindor. They didn't sign him until the next year, and then he moved quickly um, and established himself, and, you know, he's essentially kind of like out of baseball right now. Um, And Lindor hasn't even hit free agency. Uh... Just kind of the the craziness you can see of, you know, one guy. I mean, and Lindor moved fairly quickly through the minors for a high school uh, kid. But still, Allen, uh, sadly, was high 80s, low 90s. Just not the same guy. I don't really know if it was just high use or what happened. Uh, You know, his command, his control started to slip. And it just, it's terrible to see. He was so good for so long. Um, He was the first major league player to ever follow me on Twitter. Uh, of course, at the time, he was a minor leaguer. He didn't keep his account for very long. But, yeah, that was just... Uh, I'm always going to pull for Cody Allen. He was kind of one of the first guys I discovered as a minor leaguer, one of the first guys I really tracked in kind of my infancy, infancy when it comes to covering drafts and such. So, yeah, I'm going to wish him well. Let's talk about some other maneuvers. Travis Shaw signing for just $4 million. Uh, now that the Indians have signed Hernandez, it doesn't sting quite as bad as it did. Just because, I mean, he was awful last year, but before that he was pretty consistently solid. It's another good get by the Blue Jays, who are having a, a very sneakily strong offseason right now. I mean, at least they were until they signed uh, Ryu, who is quite, uh, you know, kind of blew the top off of that. Tigers adding Shoop and Crone on cheap contracts. Those are kind of interesting. Um... I've talked about, you know, going out. Those aren't the flyer types. Like, we kind of know what those guys are. Like, Tejon Walker is a good get by the Pirates. Alex Wood is a good get for the Pirates. Because these are guys that, if they perform well, you can flip. Uh, I don't know the value in a Kron or a Shoop. I mean, they'll make your team better, but they're not really tradable assets. So that was, you know, they're trying. They're just not quite doing it right yet with the Tigers. And then there was one more free agent I wanted to talk um, 
you know, Martin Perez went to the Red Sox, which is interesting for a team that uh, has been trying to cut salary. Instead, they've added some. And, yeah, now I remember, Martin Maldonado. Uh, Houston clearly loves him. They've, they brought him back. They traded for him in season. Uh, and after signing Gatro from Oakland, I mean, it, I think it's pretty clear that Gatro and uh, Maldonado are going to be their catching tandem. It's going to be very low production offensively, but uh, they don't really seem to care. And uh, that's what they're going to go with. Robinson uh, Chirinos, who was their catcher last year, is still a pretty good value. Probably one of the top five free agents left out there. Um, the Angels should be all over him with their catching situation. Jason Castro is still out there. He would make a lot of sense for Tampa or even going back to uh, the Twins or someone like that. But now uh, Austin Romine, I believe, signed today with uh, Florida or Miami Marlins, I should say. So, yeah, catcher market, another one that's really barren. But uh, Chirinos is a, is a really interesting, would be a nice ad by someone. I think it's just age. Um, yeah, he's had back-to-back uh, solid production, and I think the other issue it's like he's a good bat, but he's not a great bat. He's an you know he's an okay defender. He's not a great defender. So he's he's older, and he plays a physically demanding position, and he doesn't really excel in one particular area. So someone's gonna add him. Like I said, the Angels probably makes too much sense at this point if they still have any money um, remaining. So, Indians are better today, White Sox are better, Twins are worse. Indians have a great chance to still go out and compete for the Central. Um, and if there's one thing that this last postseason should have taught us, it's once you get there, anyone can make it. I mean, the Nationals, remember the Washington Nationals are going to draft before the Cleveland Indians in this year's draft because the Washington Nationals had a worse record. So... And all it takes is pitching. And the Indians with Bieber and Clevenger are really set up to be strong in the postseason pitching-wise. Um, yes, the Yankees went out and added Matt Blake. And they went out and added Garrett Cole. And the Yankees are loading up to be the evil empire. But peak Indians should not have lost to the Yankees um, back in 2018. Like, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, the Indians had them beat on paper in every way, pitching staff-wise, and then couldn't beat them in person so everything looks great on paper but it often does not go that way this is a team that can compete this is a team that can win um they need to go out and add pieces though and this should be step one in at least adding another two maybe three pieces uh to this team because it is a solid roster if you're not going to trade Lindor and it looks like at this point probably not um you know I'm talking, recording this on a, what, a Monday night, and no trade happened, and it was supposed to be the whole talk was, you know, that final offers are going in, so I'm going to assume for now, and then the minute I finish recording this uh, podcast, the news will break, because that's how that's worked of late, but I'm going to assume Lindor is here, and good, you know, he's the face of the franchise, he's a fantastic talent, the Indians could offer him $35 million a year right now, and he wouldn't sign because he's too close to free agency, let's be honest. like he's He's been very smart. He's been very tactical. He has an agent who has never had a big payday, um, and it's huge for an agent like his. 
to go out and get a massive deal for Lindor because then it's going to raise his profile and allow him to get other players. So um, if there was ever a point in time where Lindor even thought about, oh, I like it in Cleveland, I want to maybe, you know, I'll talk to my age. His agent's like, no, we're almost there. We're not taking anything. We are going to go hit free agency and get what we can get. I'm 100% convinced. I don't think the Indians have offered him $35 million, Let me clarify that. But I think even if they did offer him something like 10 years sooner, $50 million, he would say no. Uh, they probably should offer him that because then at least they'd look good. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, it's going to be, unless there's breaking news, you know, there's not going to be one of these on Christmas Day, let's be honest. So you get one for Christmas Eve, um, maybe something later in the week. You'll have to tell me how the sound quality is with this phone recording version. You know, this is something very different. I'm trying something very different. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. All of that has been fantastic as our podcast is getting ready to uh, to jump to 2020. Uh, this has been Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe.